Hello, dancers. I'm your host, Brittany Chalk, and you're listening to the A Dancer's Guide podcast, a podcast designed to inspire, inform, and empower dancers by sharing the experiences of industry professionals. You can follow us on Instagram at A Dancer's Guide Official and check out our website, adancersguide.com, for more podcast details and on demand resources. Wherever you are listening from, I hope this podcast sparks inspiration and lends useful advice to help you along your unique dance journey. Well, welcome back to A Dancer's Guide podcast. I've got an amazing guest joining me today to speak on a number of topics, including her vast array of career ventures, being a dancer over 50, and the ways in which dancers can enhance their public and professional image. She has worked alongside the legendary Debbie Allen, has a background in social media marketing, and has transitioned into an independent public relations manager, carefully curating the reputations of top industry clients. I'm so excited to introduce Kim Hale. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. It's my pleasure to have you here. Why don't you start us off by introducing yourself a little bit? Great. I consider myself to be a dancer over 50 and a multi-hyphenate creative. So for me, I like to do a lot of things. I'm a passionate person, very creative. So I kind of really love that the world has transitioned into a space where you can do multiple things Yes. at the same time. When I came up, it was very much, I'm a jazz dancer. I'm a ballet dancer. I'm a musical theater performer. And now it's exciting to see that people are, I'm a dancer. I am an entrepreneur. I am a creative soul. So yeah. that's kind of where I land in the world. I love it. I love the multi-hyphenate life. I keep hearing that more and more now. So I love that you said that. <laughs> Would you mind going into your unique dance journey for us? I'm really excited to hear all about it. Like most people, I started dancing at a young age at a small strip mall <laughs> studio and really kind of from the beginning took my passion for dance in my own hands. My parents weren't that interested in it, especially my mom. I didn't have like the dance parents. Mm. So I really, from the age of maybe five or six, really drove that bus, if you will. I was a competitive figure skater as well. I kind of moved into that. And so that's where I really began that journey was in the ice skating rink. That's so cool. (laughs) There were two really amazing eccentric teachers that I had in the 70s, Sheila Turk and Ricky Harris, who just exposed me to a lot of different things and ideas and ways of thinking. Uh, They came and created a small, small one-room studio in the ice skating rink. So when I stopped figure skating at a pretty young age, maybe fourth or fifth, maybe it was a little bit later, like sixth or seventh grade. Mm. I stayed there and trained in dance for maybe another year before moving to another studio. And they had us doing crazy things like lay on the floor, listen to the music, draw what you feel or what you see, make wire sculptures. I mean, we did all kinds of really eccentric things. (laughs) So that's really where my foundation comes from. And I trained a lot of different styles there as well. From there, I went straight into just ballet training for many years. It's a long, in-depth story, which I will spare you, but I ended up stopping 
uh, my dance training, I think in around eighth grade, because I got in trouble at school, something very minor. And my parents told me, if you get in trouble one more time, you cannot dance anymore. And I was devastated. So I did not dance from uh, probably eighth grade to high school, through high school. Mm. I was a competitive runner, soccer, I track, I did a lot of sports. So clearly the dance training paid off in that. I was really, really fast (laughs) runner. I had those fast, fast twitching fibers. And so I wasn't great skilled at anything, but I was really fast. So I could just get in people's way. And that's, and people always said I was very graceful. I do remember that. So when I went to community college after graduating, high school, I picked up dance again, I took it as a PE credit. And that started the ball rolling, you know, sadly, and fortunately, I missed those crucial years in high school, but it's all perfect the way that it ends up. Yeah. So I started training again, and things moved on. And I ended up going to a scholarship program at what is now the edge in Los Angeles, it was called Dupre's Dance Academy, a lot of the same faculty, and trained there and transitioned from ballet into jazz and started working soon after that. I'm so grateful for that experience because most of the people who were in that program went on to do amazing things. So clearly the people in charge had a great eye for dancers and seeing potential, I would say too. Yeah. So I moved, I started working in LA and ended up going in traveling to a lot of places. I worked in Las Vegas, I worked on cruise ships and ended up finally in New York City. That was the goal for me. And I literally walked off the cruise ship with my bags and didn't know anybody and kind of just figured it out along the way, which looking back, I find to be so incredible that I did that. And I'm grateful for that experience. But it, I'm in awe of myself that I did that, to be honest. I lived in- Good job, younger self. Yes, younger self. Somebody <laughs> just literally sent me a picture. They asked, texted me just a minute ago and said, where did you live again? I lived on 85th Street. And they sent me a picture of the corner. I lived at 85th and West End in a women's resident hotel wow. where you had a small room. The bathroom was down the hall and you had, they cooked meals in the basement. I don't think I ever really went there. And- <laughs> Kind of figured it out. And this person who texts me, Michael, was my first friend at Broadway Dance Center. He said, hi, I'm Michael. And we became fast friends and ended up working together. So that's kind of the root of it. And from there, it just became about relationships. And one of the biggest uh, mentors I had in New York was Anne Ranking. And she saw me in a class and asked me for my picture and resume and started using me in pre-production on projects. And <gasps> just really, I had never done a musical in high school or anywhere and kind of learned as I went. So I did the workshops of uh, Chicago and uh, this movie, Bye Bye Birdie with Vanessa Williams. And so I taught Vanessa Williams the steps and she really put me in these like principal roles when I didn't really know what I was doing. And ultimately she hired me for this national tour of applause, which was amazing. It closed quickly but I got my equity card and did all of that. Amazing. That's, that's awesome. So that was a big piece of my journey in New York City. Yeah. And also I became friends very 
organically with um, Tony Award winner, Betty Buckley, who was at that time starring in Sunset Boulevard. And we mm. lived close to each other. So we became running buddies. And I really got to learn firsthand how somebody navigates a principal role like that and what it takes. And really, even now looking back, I think at this point in my life, I'm so grateful for that experience. I really, really got to see what it takes to be what I consider an Olympic athlete. Mm. From there, you know, I did different things and ended up moving into teaching and taught at Syracuse University and their BFA musical theater program and then moved to LA, which started a whole nother chapter for me with Debbie Allen and then starting to work here. I was in my 40s when I started kind of working here late, late 40s. And now at 50, I'm working more than I did even at a traditional age, just because it's a very niche kind of market. And right. I'm so grateful for, for that. I did a film with Debbie Allen, um, yeah. Christmas on the Square, starring Dolly Parton. I did a Nike commercial. I've done uh, episodes of James Corden with Chloe Arnold, who's also one of my PR clients, yes. and just a lot of different things. So the lesson from that is you never know where life will take you and being open to possibilities. And that's kind of my the space that I'm living in in 2021 is being open to possibilities. Cause I went through a little phase where I limited what I wanted to do. I kept telling Debbie Allen, I don't want to dance anymore. I want to be a business person. I want to be taken more seriously. Mm-hmm. And it took me leaving that job to kind of rediscover that passion and, and even COVID to reconnect with that and recommit to be open to the possibilities of, you know, those passions that I had as a young kid acting and, and dancing and maybe a little singing in there too. Yeah. So that's kind of my journey. They're never short journeys. No. And I think it's constantly evolving. And that's what I would say to people, any dancer that's young is, you know, the possibilities are endless, especially in LA. There's a whole group of people who work that are over 50. It's its, it's own market. And right. a lot of those people will tell you they work more now than when they were what we would consider traditional age dancer. Right. Uh, that's amazing that there are so many opportunities um, for you. And, and the fact that, you know, your entire career has taken you all over the place. You've really dived deep into the New York scene. You've gone to, you've done LA. Um, amazing mentors you had growing up uh, in the city as well. Uh, f- super jealous. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, it's, you know, it takes time to digest all of that and what you've gained in the moment. You're so wanting to please and, and yeah. do so many things. But looking back, I'm like, wow, I really have had a theme of these really incredible women. If I just was to name three, it would be Anne Ranking, uh, Betty Buckley and Debbie Allen, these examples who are all incredible. And the fun thing is, I think they've all worked together at some point. Anne and Betty worked on Pippin together, the original, and Anne replaced Debbie in Sweet Charity on Broadway. So there's a six degrees of separation. Amazing. That's a whole nother conversation, those. Yep. Ugh. Just incredible, Kim. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. Can you share more about your journey of transitioning from dancer to social media marketing and then 
onto PR work. Yes. So while I was working with Debbie Allen, I started working with Debbie Allen as a teacher. Mm. And one of the great things about that experience was that I got to see somebody, an example of somebody who started as a dancer and was able to go what she will call the distance as far as now being executive producer on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, that's a pretty powerful example of where dance can lead you and the discipline of dance can lead you. So I had this role model in front of me and I wasn't really looking to do other things, but it started to become apparent that I could. Yeah. And so At one point, I think I was working as a talent. I had started working as a talent agent. So I was feeling empowered about my ideas and vision. And I said to her, I would love to run your social media. She was kind of starting out on Instagram. She had no, we were just starting out. We started at zero. And I said, I'll do it for you for a week for free and see what happens. And it really blew up because I'm of the generation of fame. So I understood Mm. that narrative. And from there, things unfolded and she started to give me more and more responsibilities. Ultimately, I was like the head of marketing, PR and social media for her school, for her academy. And from there, from doing the marketing from the school, I started interacting with publicists. Hmm. I was like, wow, I see that a little differently. I may have made a different choice. So when the 10th anniversary of her hot chocolate nutcracker came up, I said to her once again, I would love to do the PR for the hot chocolate nutcracker. What do you think about that? And she said, okay. And she was always very generous in allowing you to try anything that sparked your fancy, if you will. So she said, okay. And it's very similar to agenting as far as pitching people and telling stories. And it's all about storytelling, to be honest. Even agent, being an agent is about storytelling, the story of your client, why they fit the job. And for PR, it's much about telling the story of whatever you're looking to get in front of people. So I slayed it. I will say I got like so many interviews. She was so over me. She was like, okay, enough, enough. You know, that's great. <laughs> though. I'm, dealing with, I'm used to dealing with dancers and all of a sudden I have Debbie Allen to pitch. I mean, it was so much easier. Yeah. You know, people actually <laughs> opened the emails and took my calls. So from that point, People started, they saw that I was doing that and they started to reach out to me. So the first people being um, Chloe and Maude Arnold, mm-hmm. who are part of Syncopated Ladies yeah. and are these world-renowned tap dancers. And so I started working with them and then another friend reached out and another friend. And now I'm getting more people. Actually, this morning I was thinking, okay, you need to like step back and, and re-envision everything mm. a little bit which is great. Yeah, which is really good. And I'm expanding into other fields into mental health into some other areas as well. But for me, it's also about the fit and keeping it very small and people who I feel that I can really share their story. Right. And that like with Chloe and Maude, what's lovely is they have a really big give back component, which I love. So there's a lot of different angles to approach their journey from whether it be professional or their foundation. So I really enjoyed that, that piece. Definitely. So that's kind of how it happened. I mean, so many things happened from Debbie Allen beyond dance. And I will always be grateful to her for that. I was just thinking today, 
about her getting a Kennedy Center honor and, and yes. how beautiful that is. It's uh, so exciting. Yes, that's well-deserved. Absolutely. It's teachers like her, it's mentors like her that push us all and, and give us those opportunities um, and, and see our potential. Um, and, and really, I love when they let us explore that because it lets us be who we're meant to be and, and go on the journey we're supposed to. So um, I love that. It's she great. just said, yep, go ahead, Kim. <laughs> yeah. And she really entrusted me because I was somebody and am somebody who yeah, I don't need a lot of babysitting. Right. I'm a self-starter. So some people need a lot of babysitting and they need to be told what to do every step. And I think she appreciated the fact that I was a self-starter. Yeah. And again, just having that role model. When I came to work with her, there were, I never thought about being an agent. I never thought about Mm. being a publicist. I never was interested in those things. I mean, I also assisted her in choreography and projects and did a lot of other things, but it gave me what I say always is like a 360 degree approach to the industry, which is just so valuable. Now, even coming back to working and stuff, I just have a little fuller understanding. Yeah, absolutely. It can only help for sure. So how do you help your clients as a public relations manager? Like what is involved in this career path? If maybe anyone listening does want to go into that. As I stated before, it's a lot about storytelling. It's about sharing the stories that maybe would resonate with an on a particular audience. Mm. And crafting those stories, it's a lot of writing, which I didn't necessarily realize that is one of my strengths, but I didn't realize that in the beginning. So you were looking at somebody's body of work, and then you Mm. have to kind of tease out these nuggets and craft stories that can be told. So I have one client choreographer who just won um, an MTV movie award for best dance sequence. So interesting thing that came out about him was being a single father in the industry. Mm. Father's Day coming up and really kind of teasing that out. And that's been an interesting, you know, topic that has resonated with audiences or another person I have who's a mental health professional who specializes in LGBTQ um, young people and teenagers and coming out. So it's Pride Month. So teasing out those stories. So it's a lot about crafting those stories and also just getting them in front of new audiences. I think that's the biggest thing. It's, it's great to connect. And I love, you know, working and getting them in front of dance audiences. But what's really fun is to get them in front of other audiences, mm. a broader reach right. of storytelling about the discipline and what it takes and to be a dancer or a choreographer. So it's about that as well. And so it's a kind of around the clock job in a sense, but I have a lot of freedom, which I love for me. I have a lot of freedom and I'm always thinking I was that way working with Debbie too. It's always like, she would be like, not another idea. Mm. I was just like thinking, and anybody that really knows me knows I'm an idea person. I'm always (laughs) like, what about this? And I was like that as a dancer, I would say, why don't you reach out to so-and-so about this project that's coming up? And people would say that about me too. I always was thinking in that way of, you know, ways to put yourself out there and ways to share your story and your journey. Yeah. Yeah. It was in you from the start. (laughs) It was actually. And a funny story is as a kid, this is short. I loved, I love Lucy. 
Yeah. And there's, I love the Hollywood episodes, like when I was six or seven, and I had a little playhouse in the backyard, a wooden little house that my grandfather had built for me. And I put up all these drawings, like they were my clients. And I, I remember <gasps> I had this, like, I had seen something, they went to some restaurant, and there were pictures around. And I had this whole fantasy world. You know, my parents had bought me like the full set of kitchen appliances made out of metal, which is what we had in the 70s. And I was so disinterested in that. (laughs) But what I was really interested in was this world I had in my head and, and about what I called Hollywood. Nobody really says that, but you know, those visions of even then I, I had a recollection like a year or so ago and I was like, wow, I really did have this thing. My mom had a lot of movie magazines and I watched like little uh, Hollywood gossip shows with her back then. And so that, that's where some of that came from. Yeah, I, I'm sure it did. So what are some things you have to consider when handling a dancer's public image with their reputation on the line? Yes, this is a great question. So, you know, a lot is looking at people's social media. Most people come to me from a referral. I think you know, people have to be really conscious of what they're putting out there. I have to be conscious. Yeah. You know, I see funny videos on TikTok. I saw some funny things the other day. I was cracking up a lot of (laughs) F-bombs and a lot of this. And I'm like, do I really want to put that out on my personal page? I think I have young people following me from when I taught on conventions. And, you know, you have to be aware. And nowadays, you, you know, social media is very much about, it's also supporting agents and, and uh, casting directors are going, especially in LA, they're going to your Instagram. They're asking for your Instagram handle and they're going there. So, you know, just reputation. Most people come to me, like I said, from a referral. So I have a sense, but things happen. I had too many incidences, but you know, it's about, I don't want drama. Mm. I'm not looking for drama. So I don't take on people who maybe would have like a bad reputation. So I don't deal with that too much, but I think the dancers have to take the responsibility of curating their image online in a positive way. Even stories last, you know, Instagram stories last and are around, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a whole nother world. Things are out there. You can't really get rid of it. No, no. Once it's on the internet, that's it. It's there. It might not be easy to find, but it's somewhere. Right. Yeah. It's there. So I think it's something to keep in mind. And Mm. for me, it's, it's in the early stages. I'm, I'm thinking of that before and asking those questions. Right. I haven't really had too many people that came that I didn't have some six degree of separation from. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So like you've mentioned, you were also a talent agent and I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about that. So what's involved in that line of work and and do you have any advice for dancers that are actively looking to be represented by an agent? Um, Maybe how they can stand out from the crowd and actually get signed. Yes, this is a great kind of follow-up even to the last question, even though for me, an agent came first. So Mm. I, I, the way that I got into being a talent agent, specifically a dance agent was through a friend. We were judging a dance competition together and I was really in a place where I needed a job and we were talking and I said, you should hire me. It literally happened like that. You should have me working for you. I threw it out there. He's like, okay, we'll come tomorrow. And 
I started, you know, he kind of really, his name is Jim Keith at the Movement Talent Agency. And he really guided me through the ropes of even re- as recently as a couple of days ago, I reached out to him for advice on how to handle a situation. Because as an agent, you encounter a lot of things <laughs> about people and situations. And, you know, he was trying to tell me, you got to distinguish between, he's like, take your agent hat off. A publicist is a different role, right. you know? So as far as agenting, you know, it's seeking opportunities for people. A lot of times you're dealing in bulk. So it's trying mm. to match people. I think one of the great things that Jim taught me was an agent makes 10% because they're doing 10% of the work. And I love that because it's true. And so many people get really, they feel like the agent didn't do this or they don't want to bring in a job. Like I, when I got the job for Christmas on the square from Debbie Allen, I took it to the agency and we had some things that had to be sorted out and it, it takes away it being Mm. personal. So that's one of the great things about having an agent. Right. As far as how to find an agent, there's a lot of different ways, especially during this time we've transitioned. So social media is a big piece of just a space to curate content. So that's, that's one piece. Yeah. It's um, also, you know, getting referrals from people is another way in. You can reach out to agents having some good materials, meaning some clips of you dancing. If you're on LA casting or New York casting, you can send casting networks. You can send those links to people to really get a full sense of your profile. Hmm. And I think even being on platforms like clubhouse have a lot of people are signing through clubhouse. I can tell you for myself yesterday, I was in a, I took a commercial workshop recently and I was in a, I went to his clubhouse. I, I finished the commercial workshop. So I went to his clubhouse room and there was, I'm looking for um, the possibility of commercial rep. And I, there was an agent in there. I liked her vibe and I reached out to her via Instagram and we had a conversation and they're not taking meetings right now, but that all came through clubhouse. Wow. And she responded within five minutes to me. Amazing. It is up and coming. I I definitely, I'm on it. Yeah, it's, I was heavy, heavy into it in the beginning. And then I took a pause and now I'm kind of back into it. But there was a lot of, for some reason, it's a very easy networking. People respond to the DMs through Instagram. If you mentioned you were in a clubhouse room. Mm. So there's that. I think it's really having materials together. And that's the same as a publicist too. And having clips of yourself. It can be style clips, meaning you have a jazz clip you know, or a ballet clip or a musical theater clip, you have a clip of you singing, all of that. It doesn't necessarily mm. have to be from a show. It's great if you do obviously have credits. The other thing is a reel's good, but I think now the, it's moving more away from reels. Reels are good, meaning reels for dance and not Instagram reels. Yeah. But a dance reel is good. I would suggest putting your best step up front. As dancers, we want to think of an arc and having it be your best step at the end. Nobody's going to wait that long. So no. you need your best step up front, short, under a minute. That's a great way. Logos, all of that. It's something you can do yourself. I did my own. I, I don't think it's something you have to spend a lot of money on. Mm-hmm. A, a good headshot. They're probably going to ask you to get other ones. You know, it's just yeah. really connecting 
with them and maybe sending a hard copy and uh, an email is good as well. So it's just reaching out and it's a lot of groundwork. I mean, here's the thing, even for myself this morning, I was like, I am a business. I need an assistant. It's (laughs) a lot. I mean, I had papers everywhere (laughs) because I'm trying to navigate this career, that career, booking Mm. people, doing this. And it's a lot that you have to do on your own. I still pitch myself through casting networks. I don't wait for people. I'm making my own relationships. I'm training. I'm doing things. So I think it's staying active. As a dancer, it's going to the classes of people that, that are working. Yeah. You know, it's different in COVID. Yeah, of course. That's why I liked, that's why I liked Clubhouse mm. as a tool because it's online. Right. So people get a sense of your vibe. And I know that my agency, the Movement Talent Agency has signed people from Clubhouse. Wow. Meaning they connected with them there. Then they had a Zoom with them and they looked at their materials and stuff. So right. the days right now, we're not in a space where there's auditions for an agency or there's people observing classes, that's another way that it's done. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, it's, a, it's a, what I would say in the short of all of that <laughs> is it's a partnership. You have to do your part. It's not just sitting back and saying, hey, what are you doing for me? Right, get me the job. And you have to make sure that they have the materials they need mm. to book you. Yeah, that's good to know for dancers to know that your agents are working behind the scenes for you, but equally, they're not going to do it all for you. You are Correct. still, you are the performer. You are the talent. Um, and, you are the and, business. Right, exactly. And, and you have to put in your part. I love that. Um, I think that's going to make a lot of sense for and people. And having nowadays, you know, on the casting network side and stuff, they're not looking so much at reels. They're looking at skill clips. Like I do have a hula hoop. So if I have a clip of me on a hula hoop, you can put that right in the special skills. There's not a lot of imagination or in your resume, say, for example, I've been on Grey's Anatomy. I have a clip right there of me on Grey's Anatomy or I, my movie clip is right there next to it. My cord and clips, they're not digging through your reel so much on those platforms. Right, right. Because that makes it easy for people to, to find your materials and find what you can do. And then if you have like that specific skill that maybe they want a hula hooper. They don't want to wait till you get there and you're like trying to learn really right. fast, you know? So, right. so it's staying up on those things. And those are things that you can go in and upload yourself, you know, and, and being yeah. in communication. I mean- you know, if you haven't gotten an audition for a while, it's good to check in and sure. then they'll send you the 50 things they submitted you for that <laughs> nobody was interested right. and that'll calm you down. And then you, know, you go on. Yeah. So yeah. it's about fit. It's about fit. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. That's awesome to know um, behind the scenes of a talent agent. <laughs> yeah. Well, how has your relationship with dance changed since you've transitioned into your current role? Obviously, you've just said that you're busier than ever now. So, <laughs> well, yes, I think it has changed. So I think that's a great question. I, I think now, post COVID, I'm not one thing or the other. So I tried that. Mm. I tried that on for size and it didn't work so well. Like, <laughs> I'm at my best. Let me just say that what I finally have admitted to myself is I am at my best when I'm dancing. Like, I'm going to a ballet class at 1.30 today. And I am at my best when I'm doing that. That means that spills over to my PR work. That spills over to everything. So how has my relationship with dance changed? 
look, I, I'm much more easeful with myself with it. I think I know my lane a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm in a specialty category. I have white hair. I mean, I'm in a specialty <laughs> category. And my love is still there. I lost it for yeah. a while, but the love is there. I denied myself it is what I would say. It's not that I lost it. I denied myself it. And so now I try to nurture that in the ways I like best. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of classes open, but I do take ballet. I'm kind of like getting back in shape in that way. That's great. And I think too, and this goes ties right into what I was just saying about aging. I know that not every job is for me. Yeah. And that is like the key piece of everything. Not every job will be for you. And that takes a lot of pressure off of thinking that you're right for everything. So I know what's right for me will find its way. And I was talking to a friend last night and it's like, I just try, he's like, just stay ready. You know, I'm like, I haven't had an audition for a little while. I just took this commercial class. I'm so ready. You know, yeah. and he's like, just stay ready. So when it comes, you're ready. Exactly. Take that ballet class, do this. And this is someone, you know, very much younger than me. And I was like, that's great advice. He's like, just stay ready, stay ready. Yep. And so my, my relationship with dance, it has evolved over the years. It has ebbed and has ebbs and flows, I guess. Is, I don't know if that's correct <laughs> English, but it, the love is still there mm. and it's finding ways to be creative that are new and different and being open to the possibilities. Yes. Yes, for sure. I love that in the beginning of that, you said that when you take a dance class, it then fuels you to be better at your other business ventures. And because you're, you feel good. Like when after dance class, you have this energy about you and I'm sure it probably gets your brain going. It gets your creative juices going. Um, I love that. I, I, yes, 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 yes. I mean, there's nothing like putting your hand on the bar. It's just oh, yeah. something and standing in second position to do the first plie. There's mm. just something so beautiful, so centering, so in my heart, in my truest self. Yes. When I do that. I 100% agree. I haven't taken ballet in a long time, so maybe I need to get back into it. I just always go to ballet. <laughs> I don't know why. I just really am that person. I that love it. If I can only do one thing, I go to a ballet class. And I luckily, there's somewhere here. We have to wear masks, mm. but it's in studio. So. Nice. Grab on nice. that bar. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, what are some tips you could give dancers regarding their professional image and online presence? You know, what are some things that they can do to put their best foot forward on online profiles? I think staying current with the trends that are happening to the updates, speaking specifically to casting profiles, you know, as, like what I was saying about having the individual clips, that's something pretty new, right. creating your own content for those. Like I have on my list, like I need to go in a studio and take some videos of me doing a little ballet or take nothing fancy, just some, some little things. Mm-hmm. So that's on my list. As far as social media platforms as well as online is, you know, showing who you are and remembering that, I don't know about the East coast, but on the West coast, they are definitely looking at your Instagram profile. So making sure that you have things like, and maybe on Instagram in your 
highlights, you have one that says, this is your dance reel, or this is some clips from different shows and having some content where people can really see a headshot and some different get of sense of your vibes. When I submit myself on casting networks, I always say, please go to my Instagram to get a sense of my vibe, Yeah, you know, to see, because you may not looking at a picture, you may not know what I can do. Right. That or you may have a certain, especially for me with the white hair, people have a certain perception, but I can drop it like anybody. So, <laughs> you know, so, we need a clip of that. <laughs> I know. So, you know, you might not know that about me until right. you go. And I did that recently and I, they immediately wrote me back and were like, you're booked. Like, oh, for, like, for they wanted someone who could do that. Like, can you dance? I was like, go to my Instagram. Right. For sure. So that's just an easy reference point. Yeah that's what I'm trying to get at is I can just tell people go there and there's tons of content. And I tried, I make my little videos and I tried to do a lot of different things to show, you know, versatility in styles and, and what I can do. So it's a great tool. It doesn't mean you have to, some people have multiple accounts. So you have one that's maybe for that specific thing. And then you have your down and dirty account. That's your, for your friends, you know, that's totally separate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like a portfolio like of, your, of your whole career and, and yeah. what you've done. And, and for dancers, that's great. It's a great resource. It's like a living reel. It's, it's mm. a great tool. It's a, like you said, it's a portfolio Yeah, and it's a quick place that people can look. Yeah. You know, there's websites, there's all this. I don't know how much people go there anymore. It's not a quick stop. I use, I have one and I use it, Yeah, but it seems like that's the quick place to go. Yeah, no, definitely just show people quickly. So it's really putting forth that people can get as my commercial uh, acting teacher says the essence of who you are. Mm, Yes. Do you look like you'll be somebody fun to be on set with? somebody want to be around you yeah. you bring something what is the essence that you bring to a job like for me I'm if you go to my Instagram and look you're gonna know that I'm some a free-spirited person that's willing to go there for you I yeah. will be the silly person I'll be the crazy person I'll do you know the crazy dancing person in a scene you know yeah. so you get that sense of me from mm. that so it's about I love that he always uses the word essence yeah. What is the essence? Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I believe you were on Ellen. Yes, recently? I was. Or yes, and you did the so, you flossed, right? I flossed, that- but I did the woe. Oh, okay. And I auditioned for that, to be did honest. You? I did, yes. I had three callbacks, I think, for that. It was oh, a plant. Wow. I was a plant. The other right. people were there. Right. But so that was on my 50th birthday. Oh. <gasps> That's fun. And literally that was kind of the beginning, beginning. And my, the owner of the agency said, I know that you'll say no, but I was just thinking if you wanted to audition for this. And I said, yes. And to be honest, a great little lesson from that is they were looking for somebody probably that looks more like I look now at that time I had brown hair, but they said I was so wild and crazy that they just changed what the, what they were looking for. So you never know. No, that's awesome that they were willing to accommodate you yeah. and, and changed it to, to fit you. That's, that's, you know, every performer's dream, right? Yes. Make it about me. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'd like to move on and talk about the layers of performers professionalism because I talk about it a lot on this podcast and I just like to discuss this a little bit with you. 
I found a definition, which is like a collective definition from universities around the UK, and it states professionalism is commonly understood as an individual's adherence to a set of standards, code of conduct, or collection of qualities that characterize accepted practice within a particular area of activity. I thought this was an interesting definition um, because to me, it kind of seems like to have professionalism, we should be molding ourselves to fit what the industry wants us to be in order to achieve a certain level of professionalism. And, and yes, I, I agree with everything you're saying. We should be having professional materials, right? A good resume that's formatted correctly and a reel that's, you know, great and, and high quality, a good headshot. Um, however, I also believe that we're allowed and we can and should inject a little bit of ourselves into those materials, right? Like add a pop of color to your resume or like pick a funky song for your reel. Um, you know, wear your favorite outfit because it makes you feel good in a dance photo shoot or something. You can be you and be a professional. So how would you define professionalism? Um, and in your opinion, what goes into a performer's overall professionalism? I love that, what you said about... Um... <laughs> you know, being yourself, even the last photo shoot I did, I, I went to a clubhouse and what was like, look at your, you know, like a critique. They didn't call it that, but of your headshot mm. and slate and stuff. And, you know, the feedback I got was it was a little posed, you know, and it mm. could have been a little messier. And I really always, I'm still contemplating that. Like, what does that mean? I think it's some of what you're talking about too. Yeah. It was a little, you know, it was just a little pose. I mean, you have to have the smiling shot and the this, but I right. think it opened up a permission slip on the next shoot to maybe try some other things. Yeah. As far as professionalism, I might, you know, I'm older, so I have a different kind of viewpoint of that. For me, it's the little things. It's, it's being early mm -hmm. to a shoot. Right. That was one of the first things that Debbie Allen noticed about me. She said I was always early stretching in the hall before I taught. Yep. So many people were always late. Yep. So that was something that caught her, another old school person, that kind of caught her attention right away. I think it's being open to receiving feedback mm. and knowing that that's not personal. Yes. That's a big one, actually, that I see even in the classes that I take, Zoom classes that I mm. take, uh, acting and stuff that people get so, young people get so... Oh, they get so bent out of shape for feedback. And I'm like, bring it on. Yeah. I need more. You know, I'm paying for feedback. Yeah, exactly. It's not a performance. Right. Um, it's doing your part. It's, it's cultivating relationships mm. with people. Because I also, if I was, when I've been in a position of assisting on a project or even hiring, if I see, like, if I see somebody's hired somebody multiple times, that's a huge sign to me that they're easy to work with. Right. I used to think, oh, wow, it's the same person's name. But what that really says is, oh, they wanted you to come back. They liked working with you. Right. Yeah. So it's being prepared. It's being open. I don't know. I think of it in more terms like that. It's yeah. being easy to work with. It's being fun on set. Now there is a fine line. I recently was on a job where, I mean, look, you have to have a voice too. Oh yeah. Where there were some questions about the SAG rules and what they were asking us to do. And like the SAG rep was there and I went there and somebody's like, you, my brother was trying to tell me, he's like, 
a longshoreman who's in a union as well, you know, and he's like, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I'm too old to not like speak up on that, right. but it's how you do it and doing it kind of on the low and stuff. Right. So it's a, a professionalism to me isn't being walked all over either. Mm, yeah. Standing up for yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. A, there's a fine line. You have yes. to be respectful and you have to know where your boundaries are. And that's right. um, that, but I think it's not just laying down and, you know, we laugh on, as you get older, you laugh on jobs. There's always the person that's like kissing up so bad, yeah. you know, and all of that. And it's so obvious and everyone's laughing about it, but sometimes people buy into it. So it works sometimes, mm. you know, but I think there's other things you can do that are being an example and just being easeful, yeah. but being early, being prepared, being warmed up, you know, yeah. being ready to go listening to the cues from the choreographer when it's full out, when it's not, there's cues that they give you. It doesn't mean you have to dance and kill yourself full out every time mm. they're giving you the cues. Right. I'll ask. I have been known to ask, do you want this full out? Cause I'm going to give it to you full out. But like, if it's a mark, I don't need to kill myself. Right. Right. You know, so being able to communicate. Right. Politely and respectfully. And look, mm -hmm. I've made mistakes along the way. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I won't lie. We all have. Yeah. You know, I've done things. I was like, "Ooh, that wasn't a good choice." Yeah. You know, and you live and learn, and you try to do better the next time. Yeah, of course. Cultivating of course. relationships. So that's for me where where it goes into. Yeah. Does somebody want to bring you back? Nice. That's a huge piece of it. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Thank you for for going into that. So I think we're all told at one point that dancers' career span is short. You know, we only have this limited window than which our bodies would be at this peak performance level, but you are a testament to the phrase that age is just a number. You know, you've continued to pursue your dance well into your life. How do you mentally push through that industry stigma? And in what ways do you physically keep your body healthy and strong enough to continue dancing? Process. <laughs> and it takes yeah. a lot. <laughs> but you know, for me, it's a constant conversation with myself and dialogue with myself that I'm not going to be able to necessarily do what I did when I was 18 and it's okay. Yeah. And I have, to, especially in a ballet class, I have to be like, it's okay. Right. And then I surprise myself. Sometimes I do do things yeah. and I know that I have a great performance quality and I can do other, I bring other things to the table. Right. So there is that stigma. I don't feel like it's as much as it was. I think it's a reinvention that you have to keep reinventing yourself. Yes. I love that. And the more things you can do and the more prepared you are, the longer, you know, things can go. But like I said earlier, not every job is going to be for you. Right. And so it comes in waves and it, it comes, you know, sometimes inconsistently. Yeah. So the way that I mentally push through that is just constantly reminding myself that I'm not the jobs I book. I am not these things. I am who I am. I am spirit. I'm all these things. And that's just part of what I do. But it doesn't define me as a good person, a bad person, any of that. It's not who I am. Right. It's what I do. And that is a big part of me. But not attaching my worth to that. And that's something that I didn't learn as a young person, <laughs> to be honest. So now, and it's hard. Look, something happened to me a couple of days ago. 
uh, a national commercial that I shot and the whole scene didn't make the cut. I lost like $50,000, like just oh, like that, no. Oof, gone. You know what I mean? <gasps> but it's life. And I had to take it and be like, ouch, that hurts. It's a bummer. But that's the game we're playing. Ugh. Yeah. And I let it keep, you know, but the good thing was, I was like, wow, look at me. I'm older now. That didn't send me into my couch for seven days with Ben and Jerry. <laughs> Which at 25 or 26, it definitely would have, mm, yeah. without a doubt. And maybe a few therapy sessions. Right. <laughs> so that's progress. Yeah. It was like, bummer. It's happened. It's over. You know now. And keep it moving. Mm. And something else will come. Yeah. You know, it sounds good on paper. That's something else. But, you know, I didn't let it devastate me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still had the experience. I still did this. So... I think it's constantly being in check with yourself and you have to do a lot of self reflection yeah. to get to that space. So for me, the mental piece is big. I do what I can. And then some days I'm just like, today's not the day. And that's okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> some days it's not like I had a couple of days. I'm like, today's not the day I can do this, but I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then I think as far as keeping my body healthy, look, I, I abused my body as a young person and sometimes I pay for it now, you know? So I encourage people to really, there's so much more knowledge, take care of your body, be good to it. More doesn't mean better. I try to, I don't have to take 50 classes. I do a few things, you know, that I like to do. And that seems to be working Yeah, a few classes a week and just taking overall better care. It's the self-care it's, it's doing other things, going to museums, going to other places, being a fully rounded person, right. exploring, taking risks. Like I mentioned, I took an acting class that was really outside of my comfort zone and exploring other things and training and, and all of that keeps me mentally and physically strong. Could I do more? Yeah, of course you can always do more, but it's like a fine balance with my body and what I can take. Sure, of course. But trying to stay ready. And the, you know, I'm looking at expanding things. So that's, I think the mental piece is a lot. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I think for all of us to, like you said, to face so much rejection um, oh, and, yes. and, and disappointment in the industry, we really have to pick ourselves up every single time because we love it so much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, throughout your expansive career, how have you seen the industry change over time? The biggest thing I think social media has played a big part in it. In like, right. there's some crossover where there's like TikTok stars who are, where I'm just speaking yeah. specifically to dance, mm -hmm. who are also trained dancers and have a lot of things. And then there's like Insta famous people. The role of online presence is a lot different. Yeah. And, you know, the, the kind of styles that are seen have changed this influx of contemporary dance. Mm. I mean, I don't see it as much in professional yeah. jobs, but it's there. And I think just the role because of uh, the internet and social media, I think there's more onus on the performer to manage their own career. There's a, there's an easier way for people to handle and navigate that. So those are the biggest thing. And I think another big thing is seeing this space in TV and film for older people, mm. because you see so many scenes in TV shows that 
I call it like the town's person. You know, you have to have a diverse <laughs> eclectic group of people, even as far as body types, age, also diversity, mm. the role of diversity and having more, you know, uh, diversity in dance yep. in all ways that included age, race, you know, ethnicity, all of it. Yeah. Body type. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that seems to be expanding, which is yeah. good. Yeah, that is a great thing. Oh, I love that. I mean, I think ballet is a huge example. Just more diversity in ballet is mm. a huge example of change. For sure. Still a ways to go, but there. Absolutely. We've got work to do, but that is a great example of how it's changed over time. Yes. More inclusion for sure. Well, finally, what advice would you give to performers about sustaining a long and fulfilling career within the entertainment industry? I think something that I said earlier is that understanding that not every job is for you. Yeah. And to keep training and growing and having a rich and full life that's not just dance. Like growing, when I lived in New York, I was just 24 seven. And now I take time to do other things and have other experiences, whether it's going for a walk on the beach or going to a museum or going to a botanical garden. Like I really try to explore the city of LA. I didn't do that as much in New York as I should have, (laughs) to be honest. And I realized like, how did I never go across the Brooklyn Bridge? I mean, there is time, you know, things like that. I lived there for a long time. So I think just understanding the biggest thing is the understanding that not everything is meant for you. And I kind of live by this quote, that which is meant for you is already yours. And, and that's kind of a quote that I try to, to embrace and live by. Yeah. I love that. And you put your best foot out there and, and let the chips fall where they may. Absolutely. Stay ready and the role will come. Yes. Without attachment. That's hard. It's a lifelong process. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, coming to the end of this, can you share some of your plans or aspirations for the future with us? Yes, I'd love to. One dream slash goal that I have is to book an acting part, pure acting part on a TV (gasps) show or film. That's like a goal and dream that I have. So I'm working towards that. Manifest it. So I'm working towards that. I've been doing my part yeah. as far as training and, right. and that. So we'll see. Yeah. Get into yeah. those auditions. Keep taking your classes. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're going to see Kim Hale one day. <laughs> Just turn on she my may. TV one day. There she, she is. May. Amazing. Your things have happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you plan to do different things with your business as well. Yes. You I think saying. it's always growing and expanding. Yeah. Still very niche and small, but just formalizing even more and growing Mm -hmm. and expanding for myself. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Always a a new challenge for yourself. Yeah. And I think that takes the pressure off of other things as knowing too, which I didn't mention on any of your questions, but having (laughs) something else that I do also takes the pressure off of, I don't need to do this to make money right, or to have the income or pay my rent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that's when you can fall out of love with dance is when you're trying to make money from it all the time. And the desperation. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. We have covered so much in this episode. It's been truly inspiring. Would you mind just sharing some of your details so that listeners can follow everything you're going to be up to in the future? Yes. You can follow me on Instagram at Miss MS Kim Hale or at Kim Hale. It's H-A-L-E-P-R. So I post a lot there. 
on Facebook. It's Kim Hale. And my website is kimhaledance.com. Amazing. And you're on TikTok too. I see all your- I am on uh, TikTok. You're awesome on TikTok. Miss Kim Hale, I think it is as well. Miss Kim Hale. Definitely check her out. I'm exploring that TikTok world. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. Okay, I'm not good. even on it. So like kudos to oh, you. Oh, I try. I try. <laughs> Trying new things, being open to new things. There you go. There you go. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the Adventures Guide podcast. Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Brittany. I enjoyed. I always feel like I get as much out of it just something always reveals itself. So thank Mm. you for having me. I appreciate it. Gotta love some Kim Hale. For those of you who have followed along with the Dancer's Guide podcast, I thank you from the bottom of my heart and thought since I've been MIA for the last six months, I'd give you all a bit of a life update. So back in June 2021, I started a full-time position as a dance teacher and line manager at Integrate Dance Company, and I have truly sunk my heels into the role. I'm happy to report I love my job and I love the people I work with and the best part is I get to dance every single day. With that being said, I also love producing these podcasts and I've missed it over the past six months. So going forward, my plan is to release new episodes on a monthly basis. So I hope you join me for the next episode. Feel free to reach out with any questions you may have. I'm always open to talking about dance. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at a dancer's guide official for updates on all the new episodes and check out our website at dancersguide.com. Always remember, stay confident, be humble. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.